Well, welcome back to our Connecting the Dots series. We are on Making America. Um, now, we focused on England last time, and really an England that we wouldn't recognize. Now, obviously, it's the United Kingdom nowadays, and, and so much has happened since, what, 12, 15, 800 years ago, naturally. But we're going to skip ahead now uh, to about the mid-1500s. That'll put us in the mid-16th century. So just to fill in some gaps here, uh, the Reformation has happened, so there's now more than just the Catholic Church. But England itself has remained Catholics along with uh, Spain, France, and Austria, and much of what would become part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire uh, much, much later in history. But nominally, southern Germany the Italian states, France, Spain, Portugal, and England have all relatively remained Catholic. It's just the northern German states and uh, Sweden that have really converted to Protestantism. And this, this really was a religious move. The arguments made by Martin Luther, the way in which he described the problems of the Catholic Church in his day were not was not new. It was kind of in the back of everybody's mind. But this was the first time that someone who had been inside the Catholic Church, to the point where, I mean, Luther was a monk. He was somebody who studied the Bible and Scripture, and he said, hey, we're not, we're not living up to this document that we say we, we live up to. We're not living in Christ the way we claim. This needs to be rectified. This needs to be reformed. And Luther thought of himself as a reformer, but the Catholic Church did not want to reform itself, and thus a new religion was created. And today we would know that as Protestant uh, or Lutheranism. Now, the ideals of the Reformation got muddled in Germanic politics that the Holy Roman Empire in its day was really dominated by Austria and by extension the Habsburg family in Austria who remained in control of the country up all the way until World War I through generations. But the Holy Roman Empire was kind of a conglomerate of German states that were really there for each other's protection, but the Habsburgs used it as a way to gain political influence, not only throughout the Germanies, but eventually the Habsburgs came to control Spain and other smaller German states, and in a way dominated Europe for, for a good amount of time until about the 1700s. And so we have to understand here that, that the Reformation started out very religious in Germany, that if you look at documents and arguments from the day, these people really believed that they were doing right by God. And, and I, myself, am Protestant. I believe Martin Luther was uh, graced by divinity, although, unfortunately, he does have a reputation of being anti-Semitic, which I am, I am not. The unfortunate reality when it comes to the Reformation is that we have 
in modern historical reviews, we have an, an idea that Luther, Lutheranism and religion itself was all some sort of power play so that the political mechanics of the day, which were present in the Reformation, though not the reason for it, that they become the vocal point of history and these times. I am talking about modern day here. And the reason I'm, I'm prefacing our discussion with regards to England and the New World uh, and making America is because we have to understand when, when we make the claim that America is and it is a Christian nation, we have to understand that Christianity as a blanket term is not conducive to really understanding why we believe what we believe. Now, every religion has its own little branches. So, for instance, uh, in Islam, you have the Shiites and the Sunnis, and they each believe differently about who should be the true caliphate. And the only... There are a few uh, 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 nations that really have split based off of this. And that also, that, that is a deep religious belief. Nobody is going to say that, that those grievances within the Islamic faith are political. Although in some cases, the way that each side divided uh, really was. You know, in, in Judaism, you have people who are more orthodox. You have people who are, are less orthodox. Uh, and and that, that more comes down to, to personal belief, as much of the Jewish faith, faith does. And Christianity is no different in the sense that there are all these different inter interpretations of the scripture. Yet, the major faiths, the ones that we can paint with a broad brush, are so very separate. And without getting too much into religious studies and claiming that all religions are equal, as I... I have mentioned that I am a Protestant, and I truly believe that through Christ the only is the only way to get to heaven. I therefore have disagreements with every Catholic that I'll ever meet, every Reformed Calvinist that I'll ever meet, every Orthodox Christian that I'll ever meet, be they Greek or Russian. I don't know how many Russian Orthodoxes there are left. I believe the Soviet Union took care of most of them. But regardless, we have to understand that though it may be difficult in, in our modern mind to see how things could legitimately be a religious difference or how someone could believe spiritually what they believe, we do have to understand that that plays a role because we're going to be talking about quite the opposite. When we get to England and we fill in the gaps and we get to really as we talk about the Tudor dynasty and how important this brief, brief time in English history, brief for, for a monarchy, um, how integral they are to creating 
the United States, we have to understand this Reformation and the fact that England's Reformation is the opposite of the rest of Europe's Reformation. And to understand that, we need to understand that there's two aspects to the Protestant Reformation, political and religious. Now, as we move into England's Reformation, we have to understand that it also started a little later than the rest of Europe. Most of Europe, it would be dated somewhere in the 1520s to the 1530s, whereas in uh, England, this starts around the 1540s. Now, King Henry VIII is probably best known for uh, the king with all the wives. You know, he had, uh, uh, I believe, six wives. His first one died. His second one he beheaded. The third one died. The next one he beheaded. And the last one he also beheaded. And then he died with his final wife. Oh, I'm sorry. He divorced. He divorced wife four, killed wife five, and uh, and died with wife sixth. That is an interesting fact in history. Certainly, that that this could happen. But we have to understand how this man's desire for a male heir, which is silly, because. England, as we discussed in the last podcast, did not have Salic law. England, you could have a queen on the throne. You could for for generations. But Henry, for reasons that haven't really been uh, delved into, wanted a male heir. But of course, God has a great sense of humor. And so the only children that Henry was getting from these different wives was women, notably Queen Mar- uh, or what would be Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth. Now, Edward did have one illegitimate son. I'm sorry, King Henry had one illegitimate son in addition to uh, briefly King Edward. His illegitimate son, uh, who was born sometime around the time of his first or second wife, from one of his mistresses, Henry really tried to legitimize this son's rule and tried to bring him into the fold. But unfortunately, uh, he died in a, a rather tragic accident, not of his own doing or anybody else's, but he unfortunately passed. And this would happen in the 16th century, of course. Uh, Medical science was not what it is now, although it was emerging, and certainly better than when we last discussed England in the 1200s. His first marriage, he was married to uh, the Queen of Aragon. And Aragon is a kingdom, or was a kingdom, uh, just underneath France, uh, whose capital was... Barcelona in modern-day Spain, and Aragon was, for a while, relatively powerful and and rivals with Castile until the two sides decided uh, to put down their differences and through 
a succession of royal marriages actually united into one nation, and this nation would be known as Spain. But this had not been consummated yet, or was in the process of that, and Aragon still had, uh, as, a, as a house and as a family, still had um, many wives and women. And so Henry was married to uh, the Queen of Aragon, and she would not give him a male heir. Now, she was able to give birth to uh, a daughter who they named Mary, and this excited uh, uh, King Henry because he felt that surely the next one will be a boy. Unfortunately, after about seven pregnancies, they were all either stillborn or died very early in life, and King Henry was unfortunately left without a wife as Catherine of Aragon fell ill and passed away. Now, lucky for Henry, he was a womanizer, so he had uh, been with a woman named Anne Boleyn. Well, she got pregnant, and she gave birth to a daughter. This daughter was named Elizabeth, but there was no other English men that came from uh, King Henry. Now, after he lopped off the head of Anne Boleyn, this was due in most part because he would not have a uh, male through her, this really angered the, the, the Pope. And he threatened uh, Henry with excommunication. Now, the reason is because uh, you as a king are not supposed to go around and marry different women and practically engage in uh, polygamy and you're supposed to be faith faithful to your queen and the marriage is supposed to come from God. Hence, the reason kings rule from divine right and you can't go around and say that you rule with the authority of God and then act like the way King Henry was acting. This was due in most part because the marriages that King Henry was going through, the reason they, that he was asking for annulment, divorce, or cutting their head off was not because they had been adulterous, they had not been treasonous, they had not done anything to England or King Henry that would provoke a annulment or a divorce. So the Pope would not sign off on the legitimacy of what grown up a Catholic and was very early in life when he became king, was so loyal to the Catholic Church, he was actually given the title Defender of the Faith. So it was not as though King Henry was right on board with the Reformation anyways, but he was most certainly hell-bent on getting a male heir. And if the Pope's not going to allow him to do it, well, that raises two questions, for Henry at least. One, how's he going to marry more women? And two, he as the king should be sovereign in his own land. Now, this goes back to part of our discussion on the Magna Carta, that the Pope was essentially the lord over all of these kings in 
uh, medieval Europe, and though that had sort of waned by the time of the Reformation, it was still clear that the Pope had the power to, if he needed to, step in the affairs of kings. Now, Henry didn't like this. He needed more women to give him a male heir, and he needed someone to say it was okay. So he couldn't. He decided that that with the Reformation, you know what? He's not going to be loyal to the Pope anymore. So Henry decides that he's going to essentially recant and say he's not a Catholic anymore, and he's going to form his new church, the Church of England. This church has the this church has the King of England at, at its head, so he can do whatever he wants within the religion. And it's not necessarily Protestantism. It's closer to Catholicism. But the difference being that the papal influence is nowhere to be seen. And, of course, the archbishops and the priests and all of those who had ties to the Catholic Church, well, they can't hang around anymore. And... So Henry needed to not only put down dissidents, but Henry's new church also allowed him to remarry. Funny how that works. So through Jane Seymour, who finally gave him a son, this is his third wife, King Henry also decided in his joy, unfortunately, a small note on Jane Seymour. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away uh, shortly after uh, giving birth, so that was wife number three that, that passed. But the ramifications for King Henry simply wanting a male heir changed how the English operated. This severely hurt their uh, reputation with Spain, which was a Catholic nation, Austria, Austria, and France, although France already hated them, but certainly with Austria, which was a Catholic nation as well, not to mention uh, with the Pope and other Catholic nations. So England, though it was already on an island physically, was now diplomatically on an island, and now they've got built of the Church of England. So when King Henry died of uh, unfortunate obesity and uh, gangrenous injuries, England was left with a what is known as a Regency Council. This is essentially when a group of nobles run the kingdom because the heir apparent is too young. And what would be King Edward, born through Jane Seymour, uh, was only about nine years old at the time. So he was not able to rule the kingdom effectively. He would be by the time he's 15. Now, King Henry, before he died had re-legitimized and, and accepted both Mary and Elizabeth. And 
he had assumed, well, he has his male heir. What happens next is in, in God's hands. Well, uh, Edward dies. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's relatively unknown what causes his death, but uh, of course, some people accuse it of, of poisoning, but uh, because Edward was part of the Church of England, and next in line was Mary, who stayed Catholic. So there was accusations that the Catholics poisoned him. There's not much evidence to support that. Nonetheless, rumors like that always fly around. But Edward dies relatively young, and Mary steps in. Now, she is where we get the term Bloody Mary. She hated Protestants. She was a devout Catholic. She had married a Scotsman, as Scotland had also stayed Catholic. And she wanted to return England to the church. So she goes around and she beheads, kills, imprisons Protestants because she believes that England should be not only one with the church, but as we are discovering the new world, she wants to, along with Spain, bring Catholicism to the natives and to the new world. But she, uh, unfortunately, uh, falls ill and passes away. Now, she's not terribly young. She was about middle age. And there were some rumors that her sister Elizabeth had poisoned her, though Elizabeth had forgiven her, even after Mary imprisoned her, because Elizabeth had stayed loyal to the Church of England. And... She, though being Elizabeth, though being the target of many political acts and the target of assassinations, she did not want to make England right back to Protestantism or turn it right back to Protestantism. She wanted to follow some of the more humanist ideologies, which is the idea of tolerance, which is not the modern-day idea of it, which it's just, well, we have to drop our beliefs and accept somebody else's so that we don't impose our beliefs. That's not tolerance. Tolerance is the idea that you both have beliefs and that there's a gap between the two, and you can debate and see if that gap is, is, your, is bridgeable, if you could put a bridge across it, or... If that is simply a chasm that cannot be crossed, and you'll agree to live and let live. So, Elizabeth took a much more measured approach to bringing England under the Church of England's control, where she as queen reigned sovereign over the church and over England itself, but she did not pursue Catholics in the way Mary had pursued Protestants. Now, by the time Elizabeth had died, she had really cultivated this image of what is known as uh, the Virgin Queen. This originally was an insult that, oh, she's, you know, ugly and no one, you know, no one wants to wed her. She's, uh, you know, it's because of her Protestantism. Nobody wants to marry her. She's going to, you know, die childless, all of this stuff. Well, she actually turned that insult into a positive and said, essentially, you know, she's 
perfect. She's, uh, you know, still a virginal queen. And use this as kind of a rallying cry for Protestant Englishmen and explorers to say that they were they had this great queen that that was a virgin that was that was perfect and pure and they were going to uh, defend her honor. So she was a great statesman. She was a great political motivator. She was a great. She was very aware of her political space, and she used the mechanics surrounding her and her inability to find a mate to create a a public image that really brought her so much support that much of much of the english issues that she inherited from her sister uh kind of dissipated among the public and to the point where on her deathbed, though they were bringing in a whole new family, the Stuart family now, who had Scottish ties, that, that, that Charles, the new king of England, really tried to work to, to preserve that image of Elizabeth because he knew that by doing so, even though he was Catholic, he'd be more readily accepted by both the English parliament and the English people. And that's why when... They found uh, Virginia and decided to make it an English colony. It was named the way it was named because it was to venerate the idea that she was the Elizabeth, though she had died, was the Virgin Queen. She. This is why this land was founded in her name and hence the name Virginia. Now, in our last point, before we leave here, the Catholics of the day still clung to Queen Mary as being their queen. And this is in stark contrast to Elizabeth. And we hear a lot about the Puritans and the pilgrims that came over to the New World and found in um, that really a home in New England. But we don't often hear about the history of Maryland. Now, Maryland was founded as a Catholic colony as a way for them to establish their own essentially satellite within the English control that was Catholic to say, you know, England should be Catholic and we're going to prove it by living virtuously. And so they named their colony Maryland after Queen Mary. And the Protestants, came, they actually even had a, uh, a rule that no one could be Protestant within the borders of Maryland. So naturally, the Protestants came in and uh, kicked everybody out. <laughs> this is, again, uh, God has a funny sense of humor. And they made a rule that no one could be Catholic within Maryland. Now, this was in the uh, early days of settlement, so I'm sure many of these people settled not in Maryland, but in Delaware and some of the other uh, uh, states that had become part of England. And when they found out about the rule in Maryland, they 
decided to do something about it and rebel and create a law that banned Catholics. Now, this explains the religious divisions in the United States. Not that we have a problem with uh, Protestants attacking Catholics or vice versa, but the fact that the United States has, on the East Coast, a Protestant ethos. This is from our connection to the Protestant Church. This is our connection to the Church of England. This is our connection to the Tudor dynasty. And this is part of the reason why we do connecting the dots, because without this, we wouldn't have the ideals behind the Constitution, which is our next episode, that in these humble beginnings, it all starts with how England changed and shaped and really became modern England, and we followed that all the way up until about the 1750s. Because now as we shift our focus uh, to the Americas and through colonization, we can see the effects of all of the things that happened in Europe and how they all kind of came together and blended to create the United States. This, in turn, helps us understand our own history and why we believe what we believe, because that's the whole reason we have a country. It's the whole reason you have borders, because these people believe in these values and these values are great. These values are worth exporting. But we can only do that if we know why they're great. We can only do that if we know why we believe what we believe. And we can only do that if we know why our borders are shaped the way they are. That it didn't just happen. And if we understand that, then we are resilient against attacks by uh, neo-Marxists that say that all of this was done you know, nefariously. There are things and forces in history that cause things to happen. And the formation of the United States was not an accident. And so we're going to have to explore that. And the only way to do that is to connect the dots.